Well, hello everybody and welcome to this pre-recorded meeting for Calvary Church here in Brighton for the 23rd of August 2020. Uh, we're still uh, meeting in this way as you can see and uh, we pray that uh, soon in a safe and responsible way we'll be able to do more to meet together. For those of you who are just dropping in, let me say that we are a church of uh, people who live in the area of Brighton, Sussex, south of England. We are believers in Jesus Christ and there are usually about 70 or 80 of us meeting together on a Sunday morning in what we dimly remember now as normal times. We are just ordinary people from different nations and different backgrounds and we have come together because Jesus Christ has loved us, died for us and brought us to himself so that we may serve him and live for him in this world. We're going to try and do our best to express our relationship with Jesus Christ and our gratitude to him and his grandeur and glory in our uh, time together including our music and our singing and incidentally just a reminder that um, uh, a number of these songs that we've sung have been put up on YouTube so that you can listen to them while you're doing the ironing or washing the car or whatever. My name's Philip Wells, I'm one of a team of elders here at Calvary, I'm leading this morning and other notices will be um, as intimated in uh, email or whatever. So let me click to the uh, uh, what's happening today. And uh, that's the plan. Uh, we're going to do the things that Christians usually do. We're going to read the Bible and sing songs and pray prayers and hear God's word opened up to us. Uh, in the usual way. Our series uh, this morning is continuing looking at uh, what we call the letter to the Hebrews or just Hebrews for short, one of the most important books in the New Testament of the Bible and uh, I hope that it will be helpful to everybody. We'll try and make it as, uh, as accessible as I possibly can. Let's uh, begin with a prayer. Lord, again we ask that uh, whoever we are and wherever we are, at this time we may draw near to you and that you would draw near to us. We pray for genuine, true, spiritual relationship with you, the living God, that we may be in contact with you by your word and spirit and through our Saviour Jesus Christ. May we genuinely hear your voice and truly respond in our hearts. Amen. We're going to uh, sing Psalm 95. Let me read it to you, or some of it. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands form the dry land. Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation, and I said, There are people whose hearts go astray, for they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, They shall never enter my rest. Uh, a psalm of praise with a sobering warning at the end. Do not harden our hearts. So let's sing Psalm 95. sung about our great God let us sing for joy to the Lord 
Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let's turn that adoration into words of prayer. Let us pray. Lord our God, this morning we bow before you in your greatness and lift our hearts to ascribe to you glory and grandeur and majesty and holiness and wisdom and power. Truly you are the great God, the great King above all gods. Truly the whole cosmos belongs to you and you are greater than this huge cosmos that you have made. You are even bigger and greater and grander. And we thank you that you have come towards us in grace that you have decided to reveal yourself to us as creatures amazingly made in your image, uh, made for fellowship with you. So we come to thank you, to praise you, to lift your name on high. We come also to acknowledge before you our own sin in thought, word and deed, by commission and omission. We acknowledge that sin that dwells within us by which we rebel and neglect and go wrong even deep in our secret thoughts and inner motivations. Hear our confession, look upon us with mercy and grant us forgiveness and repentance through Jesus Christ by the power of his cross and the power of his risen life. We thank you for your care of us each day. Uh, your patience and mercy over these last uh, seven days and we commit our lives to you we commit our lives to you afresh that every part of us might be pleasing to you uh, we pray that you would root out sin and take it away from us and enable us to live for you in a holy way let no part of us be unresponsive to your spirit and your ways and we pray in Jesus name Amen. We're going to sing uh, another song now about Jesus, our great high priest. It's number 306, written by my friend and ex-colleague Andrew King. Jesus, eternal God, became the Son of Man. Obediently the path he trod, his Father's perfect plan. He came to make God known. He died to draw death's sting. He lives, the Lamb upon the throne, our prophet, priest and king. Uh, in Colossians uh, we're told by Paul that to let the word of Christ dwell within us richly uh, as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace in our hearts to the Lord. So this is a grand song to be able to teach and admonish one another because it has a very, very full description uh, of the true glory, benefit, roles of Jesus Christ our Saviour. So let's sing 306, Jesus eternal God became the Son of Man. Jesus eternal God became the Son of Man. Obediently the path he trod, his Father's perfect plan. He came to make God known, he died to draw death's sin. 
crucifix the Lamb upon the throne, our prophet, priest, and king. Our prophet, he explains all we can know of God, for only he eternal reigns, the uncreated word in ages long since gone. God spoke in various ways, but now has spoken by his Son. Obey him all your days. Our great high priest who prayed for those who shed his blood, who once our full atonement made, now pleads for us with God. Sinless, well he knew temptations like our own, and so can sympathize with you. Come boldly to his throne. Our conquering king is he, he dies to die no more. He lives appointed now to be. Son in risen power, his kingdom has no end to come yet present now, and all as rebel or as friend one day to him will bow. A prophet, priest, and king, he meets our and praises bring this man is God indeed to speak to save to reign he came to us in grace and when at last he comes again we'll see him face to face uh, we're now going to have a prayer of intercession and I'm going to click us through to having the Lord's Prayer on the screen so that uh, as we come to the end of this prayer of intercession which I'll lead we can all say together the Lord's Prayer which is up on the screen just by my head. Let us pray. Lord you are the God who hears prayer and it's not an empty or pointless thing to pray, but you are um, powerful uh, to hear prayer and to act in this world. It pleases you to do so through the prayer of your dear people. So it is uh, we who pray for our world that you will show mercy and may bring many people to know that you are God and to turn in repentance towards you. We pray this with particular meaningfulness in this time of the coronavirus. May we hear the, uh, the, the warning uh, and the wake-up call of that coronavirus and at the same time, Lord, equip and send your church, your people all across the world to be witnesses to you and use that witness, we pray. 
We pray for our government and we pray for governments across the world. And as we have been praying for uh, some time, we pray that our government might be given wisdom and that all governments would be given wisdom and humility to acknowledge that there's something here that is greater than uh, human power and by which we need the help of God in heaven. Please help the scientists, the politicians, the healthcare professionals all across this world who are uh, doing their best to uh, save life and to alleviate suffering and to do good. And we particularly remember uh, medical professionals in our own congregation, those working uh, in uh, um, um, childbirth, uh, those working in radiography, uh, and, uh, uh, and all those who are helping uh, in that way. We pray for those who are in particular need at this time. We pray for those who struggle with the past and the hurts and wounds of the past. And we pray that they would be helped moment by moment and day by day. We thank you that in Christ we are rescued from the chains of perpetual sin and rescued from the inevitability of failure. Uh, but we know that there's a fight to be fought and we join in that fight in prayer. We pray for those who are vulnerable by age, underlying medical condition, reduced immune system. Keep them safe, keep them looking to you and give each and every one the mental uh, ability to cope with, to cope uh, and to have peace in their hearts. We pray for those struggling with sin and temptation in all its forms. Reach down from heaven, great high priest, and send help so that your church is not defeated by the world, the flesh, the devil. You've defeated each of those. May we not be defeated by them. We pray for the power of the gospel to be made known in our city, particularly the east part that we are, uh, where our church building is situated. We pray for you to be sending fresh gospel workers and fresh leaders for the next generation. And we name before you our friends at New Life Moolscombe, Ebenezer Reformed Baptist Church, Parkhill Evangelical Church, ourselves at Calvary, and David Scull and the Grace Baptist Initiative. We pray for those who have taken or are taking a break over the summer. Uh, we pray for refreshment, uh, but we also pray for the ability to get back, back down to the routine. Uh, we pray that uh, people would be able to do good and not faint, um, but be refreshed. And we pray for the health and safety of all those moving within our country and internationally at this time where quarantines get imposed and people can be very frustrated. We pray that your purposes would not be frustrated. Here are prayers for these various people and various matters. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And let's say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to have uh, two readings from Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. There might be a little bit of an overlap. Um, so Christopher is going to read and then Julia will follow on. So thank you, Christopher and Julia, for these readings. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, the hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first as has just been said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion who were they who heard and rebelled were not were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt and with whom he was angry for 40 years was it not those who sinned whose bodies fell in the desert and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works and again in the passage above he says they shall never enter my rest. Therefore since it still remains for some to enter that rest and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience God again set a certain day calling it today. 
This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The readings tell us about the power of God's word to uh, discern deep into our lives and the uh, reliability of God's word. And we're going to sing uh, Christopher Idle's song, another living uh, hymn writer. How sure the scriptures are, God's vital urgent word, as true as steel and far more sharp than any sword, so deep and fine at his control they pierce where soul and spirit join. So we're going to sing uh, 548, How Sure the Scriptures Are. How sure the Scriptures are God's vital, urgent word as true as steel and far more sharp than any sword so deep and fine at his control they pierce where soul and spirit Let those who hear his voice 
confronting them today. Reject the tempting choice of doubting or delay. For God speaks still. His word is clear. So let us hear and do His will. Well, having sung about the scriptures, we're now going to think together about the scriptures and let's pray for our hearing of God's word. O Lord, we thank you for this letter to the Hebrews in its richness and depth. We thank you for the one of whom it speaks and to whom it points, Jesus our Saviour. And we ask that we might consider him and that we might live for him. We pray uh, that as we hear your word, we will not be hardened by sin and its deceitfulness, but rather be changed inwardly and outwardly to be better servants to be more thankful uh, to long for the things of God more uh, intensely to be more devoted to your service and more heartfelt in our love for you and to put that into practice day by day so bless us bless speaker and hearer alike as we come to your word in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Well, we've prayed and now we're going to think about this letter to the Hebrews. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did uh, in the rebellion in the time of testing in the desert. Today, if you hear his voice. Here's the introduction. There's one of the Christians to whom the writer is writing under pressure but being encouraged to hold on and keep on and to run the race and that's the sort of constant theme of this letter as we shall see as we go through there is a path to heaven there is a way to follow but at every point there is an alternative beckoning a sinister alternative just like uh, in the hobbit the fictional book by Tolkien. The hobbits were on their way through the dangerous murk wood, but Gandalf the wizard said to them, you'll be safe if you stick to the path. You'll be safe if you stick to the path. Don't leave the path, Bilbo. And of course, the book is uh, all about the dangers that they ran into when they left the path. We're looking to the, at the letter to the Hebrews, and I'll just run through some background information. Uh, some of you will remember all this, but I'll just try and do it quickly so that we know where we are. It was written to professing Christians from a Jewish background. They had believed in Jesus back in the early days, 1032, and had suffered for their faith, 1033. But now they are somehow losing their way uh, so you get vocabulary like drift, do not drift, uh, and becoming lazy and sluggish. Don't become lazy and sluggish. So the letter is uh, notable for its promises and its warnings. We find it a little bit difficult to get our head around the warnings. Here's a comment from uh, 
uh, professor, presumably Richard Gaffin of Westminster Theological Seminary, uh, the certainty of the outcome does not invalidate the means. In other words, the fact that all God's people will get to heaven doesn't mean that they shouldn't be warned of the alternative if they stray. The certainty of outcome does not invalidate the means. A little bit like, uh, as he points out, the certainty of the salvation of the elect does not remove the need to preach the gospel to everybody. The certainty of the outcome does not invalidate the means. So the letter contains exhortations. In fact, at the end he says it's a brief uh, message of exhortation. Now, exhortation can have a positive and a negative. So positively, in encouragements. Come on, it's good to draw near to the Lord. It's good to uh, consider Jesus Christ. Uh, there's negatives too, um, uh, negative exhortations. Look what will happen if you don't. Uh, it's a really bad alternative. And uh, a frightening exhortations. Let us fear, he says. And, uh, well, uh, let's fear. If we don't know how to fear, if we don't know how to tremble at the awfulness of the possibility, then we really have got hard. So, uh, Chapter 2, verse 1 says, We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard uh, so that we do not drift away. Uh, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest whom you confess. So you get these positives and negatives. So just a brief reminder of what we've seen so far in these last days. In these last days, we'll come back to that at a future point, but we'll just say it quickly at this point. In these last days... God has spoken to us in his Son. So we thought then about the divine Son in creation and providence and uh, the uh, re redemption accomplished and the future of the world uh, in redemption to come. And that's a little picture of Psalm 8, which we'll come to in a moment. The angels through whom the law of Moses came are very different from the Son, and he spends time saying about that. And then in Psalm 8, Jesus was made for a little while lower than the angels. He is now crowned with glory and honour, but we don't yet see all things under his feet. Sit at my right hand until I put all your enemies under your feet. And we thought about his true humanity. We had a wonderful, breathtaking view of his divinity. And we had uh, a moving account of his humanity human enough to suffer death, human enough to understand the temptations that we go through and therefore able to be a faithful high priest. We thought uh, about these verses at the beginning of chapter 3, about this one house, the one house being the saved people of uh, the Old Testament and the saved people of the New Testament. They gave you the example of Downton Abbey, there's a uh, high clear house a house could mean the building and it can mean the people. So they've got the fictional people, servants and um, nobility in Downton Abbey. Uh, and uh, the writer says that Moses was in that house as a servant like Carson. And Jesus is over the house as a son like Lord Grantham, the uh, inheritor and uh, possessor of the house. And it also says the builder of the house, the builder of all things, is God. Jesus has more honour than the house, with a very strong hint of the divinity of the Saviour uh, as the builder. And 
we saw uh, last time, two or three weeks ago, this letter, uh, this word, if we are his house, if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And the whole of that letter, you could almost say, is poured through the word if, if we hold on. That word if, and we've got an if here, haven't we? Uh, we are his house if, uh, the stick to the path, and in this study today, if you hear his voice, there's an if, and it's a uh, um, based on uh, this part of the the, the uh, letter is based on Psalm 95. It's verse seven, uh, latter part of it. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, uh, and it puts that huge weight on today. If you hear his voice, so I. Uh, timetable two uh, um, Sunday sessions to look at, at this so we'll look at it in this study and the next study and uh, uh, this time this uh, this morning uh, we'll look at seven days haha <laughs> but um, actually there's only six of them so uh, see if you can find out uh, why it's seven days but there's actually six of them so let's look at day one uh, today if you hear his voice and this day is the day of Moses so we're going back to the entry into the promised land I've done a little picture of the promised land of course it didn't have a city and it didn't have a temple oh it would have and Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1 verses 23 to 29 describes that today back then Deuteronomy 1, 23 to 29, when they were at the border of the promised land and uh, they agreed to send in spies to take a look at the promised land, the spies came back. I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So they brought back that report. They came to the border and they were, that's what they wanted to do, to go in. But there was a, a mixture of this. That they, the spies reported some of the negatives and perhaps exaggerating them, in fact. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and you said, the Lord hates us. So he has brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. Slight exaggeration. We even saw the Anakites there. Well, did you really? Uh, or are you letting your fears get the better of you? And I said to them, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in cloud by day. Uh, 
to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. You didn't trust him. So they didn't go in. The people, it says, were unwilling. It says they were grumbling. It says they were fearful. And it says they didn't trust the Lord. In other words, they underestimated God. That seems to be the root of it. They didn't think God was as generous as he really is. They didn't think he was as good as he really is. They didn't think he was as capable as he really is. And because of that unbelief, that uh, small view of the goodness of God, they weren't prepared to venture out in faith. There they are. They weren't prepared to venture out in faith and they didn't do it. Uh, so they were condemned, as it were, to 70 years wandering in the desert. It's in chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, and here, as they come uh, in Deuteronomy, after having had those 40 years of wandering, they come a second time to the borders of the promised land and uh, are reminded that in those 40 years, God, uh, although one generation died off, it was also a time to demonstrate conclusively God's patience, his care, his dependability, where he looked after them. The Lord your God has been with you. You have not lacked anything. So they had a promise. They had, uh, as it were, an invitation, an offer. Uh, they had all the assurances of God, and yet they didn't enter. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, speaks about them. It says, um, they had the gospel preached to them. They had a good news promise made to them, but they weren't prepared to combine it with faith and they didn't enter. Well, uh, that's day one, the day of Moses. And that day, according to Hebrews, they hardened their hearts and we're to learn that lesson. The lesson, we'll just see it again and again. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't underestimate God. Don't make the same mistake that they did. Don't be like them. Let's look at, then at day two, a second today uh, referred to. So this day is in the desert, uh, in Numbers 20. So another fluttering of pages while I find Numbers 20. This uh, is the place Meribah, which we learn means quarrelling. So here they are in the desert, and uh, they're going round and round in the desert. They're not entering the Promised Land at this point. We're looking back over those years. The distant land, uh, the Promised Land, is a distant feature at the moment. And in this part of their wandering, they are uh, there is no water. Chapter twenty, verse two. There was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarrelled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Uh, well, the Pointing out the obvious, uh, if I had been in the desert without water, I'm sure I'd be feeling it. But the thing is, it, it, it's not um, 
it's an obvious thing. You need water to survive. It's a necessity. Uh, they're pointing this out to Moses as if he didn't know. And in a sense, they're pointing out to God as if he didn't know. Well, the Lord knows what we need. And if it isn't there at the moment, it isn't because the Lord doesn't know we need it. Uh, there must be some other reason. And if we need it, the Lord will provide it. And in this interim, while God hasn't yet provided what they need, we find them grumbling. They grumble about Moses and Aaron. Uh, they're human leaders. In the days of Jesus, people grumbled about him. And I suppose grumbling is something that we will have a capacity for uh, if we're not carefully trusting the Lord. Um, in the heat of the situation, Moses and Aaron go and ask the Lord, um, verses 6, 7, 8, and the Lord says, Take your staff, gather the assembly, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink, and the Lord will provide, and here's the way that he provides. It, it, they're said to speak, sorry, they're told to speak to the rock. Now, such is the pressure of this situation and the sort of combined influence of the sin of the people that Moses is off balance with this and uh, uh, says in, in frustration, verse 10, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Well, um, they, he was told to speak to the rock, but he actually struck the rock twice with his staff, and the water gushed out. Uh, so the Lord was faithful, but uh, sadly, uh, Moses has not done what he was told to do. Even Moses uh, has his limits. Uh, the best of men are men at best, somebody said. And the Lord rebukes him because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this community into the land I give them. So that's Meribah, the day when they didn't trust the Lord. Even Moses got caught up in it. They didn't honour him as holy. Um, and uh, it was a, a trying testing they put the Lord to the test. They provoked him to anger. They provoked Moses to anger. But the Lord had been faithful all the time. So here is a hardness and a perversity. And we're told, uh, today, do not harden your heart. Uh, it seems to me that the year, uh, if you think of academic years, the year that we're heading into as a church, we're going to find many pressures on us. And uh, uh, what with COVID continuing, what with uncertainties about uh, various people's health, uh, including my dear fellow elder Chris, and uh, uh, the uh, um, pressing need for uh, future leadership, not only in our own church, but other churches in the city. Uh, it's going to be a year of test. And let's be, be sure that we don't dishonour the Lord by underestimating his goodness, uh, by um, 
biting and devouring each other. Uh, but uh, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like they did in Meribah. Uh, let's not underestimate the goodness of God. So here's now a third day. Uh, today, the day that Joshua brought them into the land. So I'm turning up Joshua. verses 13 to 15, where now, under the leadership of Joshua rather than Moses, they again stand on the borders of the Promised Land. And uh, it says, uh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Uh, and uh, one uh, segment of the people was going to cross over the land they had their bit that was going to cross over the river to help their brothers fight for the rest of it. And uh, uh, you are to help your brothers, verse 14, until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. So here's land. Uh, and here's rest. That uh, Again, I've drawn a picture with uh, a city in it and a temple in it, which wasn't there yet, but it would be. Uh, and here this rest is being described. The Lord is giving you rest and has granted you this land um, and uh, a possession of it. And here this rest is a, a place. It's a, a place of security. It's a place of being settled. It's a place they can call home. Um, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Forty years I was angry with that generation, I said. There are people whose hearts go astray. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, when your fathers tested and tried me, although I'd, they'd seen what I did. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Well, it seems like Joshua's crew did enter the rest and found a place of security and settledness and home. But in fact, as we shall see, although they entered the land, that promise of rest was not fully fulfilled. And we too need to retain this long view of hope. Uh, I'd like to say more about this uh, perhaps next time. But faith uh, the, the essence of faith for them as for us does not root itself in this world and what God has for us in this world. It is dissatisfied with that and it roots itself in the world to come, in God, in Christ, uh, in the future. And that's what our faith must do. We mustn't get tied into this world. We must have that sense that we're not at home in this world. We don't get our final fulfilment and satisfaction in this world. And we must defer that uh, um, until the day he calls us to himself or the day Christ returns. That is of the essence of faith. Uh, if it were not so, then the book of Joshua would be the last book in the Bible, wouldn't it? Because they would have found their rest. End of story. But no, the end is not yet. The best is yet to come. 
Let's go forward now to the day of David, day four in my list. In, uh, and I'm thinking of the writing of Psalm 95, which is uh, located in the day of David. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. So there in the time of David, well, there is a, um, a city. Uh, there might not be a temple yet, but there will be. But the psalm addresses those, those people in that day under the leadership of David. Uh, there were times even when there was rest from enemies, but they did not possess the promises that had been given to Abraham. Uh, those promises that were there in the Old Testament, the promises made to the to Israel uh, and to those Old Testament people, has more in it than just land uh, and just security from enemies, and that's why. In the time of David, in Psalm 95, it is still a current thing to say, today do not harden your hearts. Today make sure you don't miss the rest. And uh, the writer to the Hebrews makes that exact point, in a, really in a very bold way, isn't it? He says, if Joshua had given them rest, there wouldn't be any point in writing Psalm 95. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later of another day. There remains a rest. There's still a rest, which uh, brings us on in a moment. When you hear, do not harden your heart today, because there is a rest to obtain. So let's go to the fifth day. And this is our day. This is today. Uh, today as I speak, today as you listen, today as it's uh, re replayed on recording, this very moment today. And we're looking beyond the land. We're looking uh, not backwards to the land. We're looking further forwards to uh, a city which is yet to come. Um, in a sense, we're there, but uh, also in a sense, it is still to come. Uh, Abraham looked forward to a city whose builder and maker was God, and we're still looking forward to that city. The land was a genuine rest, but it was not the full rest. And uh, as he says in Hebrews 4 verse 9, there remains then a rest for the people of God. Let us make every effort, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. There remains a rest for the... There is still a today for us as the people of God. Uh, there is faith to be exercised today. There is a view of God's generosity to be exercised today. Uh, there are things to do, things to think, things to desire, things not to think, things not to desire, uh, things not to rest in, things to aim for because there is a rest that remains for the people of God uh, and we uh, and it is still today so a call for us not to mistrust as they did and therefore not to rebel as they did and not to fear as they did a very strong call to us let's hear that call and let's be fearful that, uh, of not doing so let's uh, be very very diligent 
to go forward in faith unlike those people. So what is the amazing identity of this promised rest? Well, um, the writer introduces in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 4, uh, God's rest. Somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. So I put up there the six days of creation, God's six days, and the seventh day, the unending uh, Sabbath, the uh, seventh day of rest on which God rested. Uh, and in, uh, as the writer of the Hebrews is seeing it, God worked for those six days uh, with a view of the blessedness, uh, the purpose, the fulfilment of the unending seventh day. That's the whole of history in a nutshell, if you like, those six days and then the unending seventh Shabbat. It was the final goal of creation. And here is the wonder of it, that as the writer of the Hebrews makes this really astonishing link between uh, the uh, uh, Shabbat, uh, the, the, the seventh day of creation, and the rest that is still available, still available for the people of God, still available to sinners. And he says that the, the goal of creation is there for us to enter uh, as um, the fulfilment of redemption. Uh, and he goes so far as to, to imply that the words in uh, Genesis and Exodus about God's rest actually function as an invitation. There is a rest, so let us enter it. A, rest, a promise of rest still stands, so let's be careful that none of us fall short of it. God's rest is a summons to us to be part of it. So uh, there we are, the promised rest. Um, we've looked at five days and then I jumped to the seventh day, uh, the Shabbat, the final rest of God, because that's the rest to which we are summoned, to which we are called, which we must not lose the path to. So we have these exhortations uh, in, uh, uh, in verse 6. Um, no, it's actually, yeah, yeah, 3 verse 6. Let's hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. We must do that hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. And it says in verse 12, um, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's encourage one another daily. Uh, you see the value of Christian fellowship uh, Christian encouragement, whether it be as we all gather together, or as we do it one-to-one, -one, uh, which is perhaps more available to us in these days. But it's a one-another thing. Let us encourage one another, he says, every day. Uh, don't let a day go by without giving encouragement in some shape or form, or indeed receiving encouragement, because that we jolly well need it. And to look out, as it says, for the corroding effect of sin um, 
it needs constant attention, doesn't it? Look out for hardness caused by the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore be careful that none of you fall short. Uh, 4, verse 11. Let us make every effort to enter that rest, that none of us fall by the same example of disobedience. So there we are. Uh, Gandalf gave good advice to Bilbo, don't leave the path. And we encourage one another every day, as this scripture encourages us, don't leave the path, don't leave his ways. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And we'll continue that next time. So we've heard God's word and uh, we are urged to keep on, to press on, to fight on uh, and uh, in, in, in a sense to do so a day at a time. So in a moment we'll play out with this song, Fight the Good Fight. It says, fight the good fight, run the straight race, keep on trusting and uh, we need to encourage one another uh, every day to be doing exactly that. So I want to encourage you to fight on, to run the race, to keep on. And I hope you will encourage me also to fight on and keep on and run the race because we need to encourage one another to do exactly that. So uh, in a moment, that will be the song 883, Fight the Good Fight. Uh, but now... Let me close with this benediction from Hebrews. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. And uh, God bless each and every one of us. And uh, until we uh, meet again face to face, it's goodbye from me just now. Bye bye.
not no fear.